1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. I want to remind you that Faith Christian Center is a blessed congregation. And this is our declaration over you. The devourers rebuke. The windows of heaven have been opened. And the Lord our God is pouring out more upon you than you're even able to contain. We are saying in these days that you can take charge of your life. You can change your life by taking action today for a better tomorrow. C.S. Lewis wrote, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And we've been saying that faith is the starting point. Faith is the starting point. Faith is fundamental. Faith is essential. Faith is the foundation of a successful life. But faith is not all there is to building a successful life. Action is required. Tell your neighbor, action is required. You know, it's like when you buy a, a Christmas gift for a child. Uh, you know, you don't know until you get the box, uh, box home. It says assembly required. And uh, Sue loves to buy stuff off the showroom. She bought a bicycle the other a few weeks back, you know, and it was uh, the model. Well, you know, and I'm grateful. Amen. Because it doesn't matter what I put together. When I get done, I got nuts and bolts and stuff left over. And uh, you're not sure why you tried to follow instructions. But life is like that. It's like assembly is required. In other words, it's just not going to happen because you believe it. Uh, you know, some Christians I've met, they're, they're the kind of people that would buy a bicycle in a box and stand there and confess. I believe it's put together. I believe it's put together. I believe it's put together. And you know, five years go by and they still stand in there. I believe it's put together. No, you got to do something. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So God is able. Say it out loud. God is able. God is able, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. That is true. But can God really do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine if we never make an effort to envision a better future for ourselves? Can God really do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine if we never make an effort to use our imagination to plan for a better future for ourselves? This morning, the title of the message is Vision and Imagination. And I want to start out by giving you some quotes on vision and imagination. Malcolm Forbes said, if you do not know what you want to do, it's harder to do it. Clarence Thomas, I wish somebody would tell this guy that there's a, 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 a black person on the Supreme Court. Apparently, he's not aware of that. And, uh, and by the way, when Clarence Thomas was in the nomination hearings, the current president was the most vicious critic of Clarence Thomas in those days. I love Clarence Thomas. I think he, I just wish we had nine of them. Amen. 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 It worked for me. 
Apparently he can read, and he read the Constitution, which makes him a problem. Clarence Thomas says it takes a person with a mission to succeed. David Starr Jordan said the world turns aside to let any man pass who knows whither he is going. Vic, Mark Victor Hansen said big goals get big results. No goals get no results or somebody else's results. Ogmandino wrote the victory of success is half won when one gains the habit of setting goals and achieving them. John Wooden wrote, don't measure yourself by what you have accomplished, but by what you should have accomplished with your ability. Les Brown, you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Jim Rohn, I find it fascinating that most people plan their vacation with better care than they do their lives. Perhaps that is because escape is easier then change. Brian Tracy, it doesn't matter where you are coming from. All that matters is where you are going. Henry Ford, obstacles are those frightening things that become visible when we take our eyes off our goals. Mark Twain, keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. But the really great make you feel that you too can become great. Malcolm Forbes, again, when you cease to dream, you cease to live. And Joe Paterno, the famous football coach, act like you expect to get into the end zone. I want to talk to you today about one of the secrets of our success, and that secret is imagination. We're going to say more about this in uh, the upcoming Power Lunch. Say it out loud. One secret to my own success is to not just see things as they are, but instead, imagine what can be. To see your dream come to pass, you need to learn the language of God. My, I love this stuff. To, to see your dreams come to pass, you need to learn the language of God. And what is the language of God? The language of God is the language of faith, the language of visions and dreams, the language of imagination. David said, what art man that thou art mindful of him? Thou hast created him a little lower than the angels. If you look that word up in the Hebrew, it's not the word for angels. It's the word Elohim. You have created him a little lower than the gods. Don't be alarmed by Elohim being plural because we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's no critter on the planet that has the power of imagination except the human being. You know, squirrels are always going to be squirrely. You've never seen a reformed squirrel. You know, raccoons are always going to be destructive. In other words, there's only one critter on the planet that God gave the ability to change, that God gave the ability to dream, that God gave the ability to envision, and that is a human being. In Genesis 13, Abraham had already obeyed God. He'd already left everything behind and followed God. Abraham uh, obeyed God, Genesis 13, 14. But he, he obeyed God partially, and that's what a lot of us do. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, because when God said, go to the land I will show you, he said, leave your, your father's family behind. Well, he kind of did that, and he kind of didn't. But God never spoke to him again until he and Lot parted company. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look. North and south, east and west, all the land I, all the land you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. And I've always loved the language of God. This is the language of faith, the language of God. Lift up your eyes from where you are and look. Too many people, too many even of God's people are like a rat on the wheel. They're looking for the cheese. It's never gonna, they're never going to get there. You got to lift up your eyes from where you are. Hallelujah. 
If we're not careful, we'll get satisfied with where we are over the years. The Holy Spirit of God has given me Isaiah 54, 2-4, more than any other passage of Scripture when I've prayed over big decisions. In fact, I would say it would be a rare thing for me to pray over a big decision and the Lord not take me to Isaiah 54, 2-4. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. <coughs> Before we made the offer on this 55 acres, we had a million dollars. The church had a million dollars, but the, the dirt was, I think, $4 million. And then the build the building would be another $12 million. And uh, all we had was a million dollars of cash and three and a quarter acres and a little building up there on I-30. I mean, I have done some crazy and some wild things. And I know that sometimes people are tempted to give me the credit, but there sits a gal that stood with me shoulder to shoulder through all of it, went to Africa with a six-month-old baby. That's a pioneer woman right there. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Tom Wood sitting back there. I'll tell you what, the greatest compliment I could pay a man is this. He was never afraid. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've done some crazy stuff. Hallelujah, but I kept going back to the Word of God, and I kept reading the Word of God, and I kept reading the language of faith, and the language of faith was, do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame, do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. Hallelujah. Shout it out loud with God, I literally cannot fail. Say it out loud, one secret to my own success is to not just see things as they are, but instead, imagine what can be. So dream a dream and get a vision. Begin to use your imagination for productive purposes instead of destructive purposes. One reason Satan just loves to get young people on porn is they use their imagination for non-productive or destructive purposes. Again, I need to say it and say it and say it. There's no critter on the planet save man that has an imagination. You know, that last squirrel I ran over did not have the ability to envision. He did not have the ability to envision if I don't zig and zag. If I zig and zag one less time. I'll make it across the road. But you know, he goes left, he goes right. He does this, he does that, and splat. <laughs> Only a human being has been given by God the power of imagination. So it's a gift. And since it's a gift, we ought to use it wisely and not use it foolishly. Now here are two sentences I wrote in 1984 the year we pioneered the church. You think I've evolved? No, I'm just like fine wine. I just, I just get better. But it's the same stuff. Amen. Lester Summerall, first time he came to speak for us, he put his arm around my shoulder and he said, so tell me, son. He said, has your message changed much over the years? And I said, no, sir. I said, the illustrations have changed. And I said, the answers to prayer have gotten bigger. And I said, uh, I gained more insight, but I said, no, the message hasn't changed at all. And he patted me on the back and he said, well, good, son, that tells me you knew what you were talking about at the start. And here it is, two sentences from 1984. Successful people are people who are able to envision a positive and dynamic future. They are wise enough to act upon their dreams. And if they will live a life of integrity and honor they will surely accomplish that which they have envisioned. That's good stuff, man. I mean, this is 38 years old. Successful people are people who are able to envision a positive and dynamic future. They are wise enough to act upon their dreams, and if they will live a life of integrity and honor, they will surely accomplish that which they have envisioned. 
Vision is the ability to foresee your destiny coming to pass. The word envision means to see or to foresee in the mind. Vision is an act of faith. Envisioning what God has intended for us is an act of faith. Vision is the vehicle that propels us down the path towards success. Imagination is the power that energizes our daily lives. The ability to dream, to envision our success is a gift from God. All of this stands here today because many years ago, Chris Rupert was just a young whippersnapper, but he had uh, done photography over at, either at Prestonwood Baptist Church or near there. And he, he said to us up in the fellowship atrium at I-30, he said, pastors, have, have you seen that church? I, no. And he said, well, you need to go see it. And he started telling me where it was. I said, look, brother, I said, I do know that's near Prestonwood Mall, and my wife knows the, the way to get to any mall in the Metroplex. So I said, we will have no trouble finding that. <laughs> and I went over there, and I saw that. And you know what I saw? I saw a campus. And I did not know of a full gospel church in America that had a campus. I didn't know of one. Now, there may be, but I don't know of one. And I had a vision. And I said to Sue, why should, why should the full gospel people of God not have at least what these folks have? Amen. Amen. Uh, a, a church, a school, a, a sports fields, the whole enchilada amen. in one place. Amen. amen. And so we just went about it. Amen. But I've lived my whole life like this. Amen. I remember several homes ago, we were looking at homes and and uh, we found a fabulous place that we liked, but oh my gosh, it was in a neighborhood where you could open up a window and spit on the next house. It's just too tight, just too tight, you know, just too tight. I had, picked, I had visions of my wife or my daughter in the swimming pool and everybody in everybody's window, you know, looking down on them. And I thought, no, I don't want that. And then we, we went to uh, some open houses somewhere up in Colleyville or somewhere, and we came across a house that was backed up to water. And so I just got in my head, you know, I'd like that. I'd like something, because that way you don't have any neighbors behind you anyway. And I used to, somebody had given me a membership at a country club in Fort Worth, and I used to go over there on Thursday mornings. Thursday morning was ladies' day, but I got to know the golf pro, and if I got there before they opened, he would let me take right off ahead of the ladies, and Sue calls it speed golfing. So, you know, I'd be by myself. I could knock out 18 holes, lickety split, nobody out there, not waiting on anybody. So that's what I was doing. And I get to the 17th hole. It's a par three. And I look across the water and there was a house backed up to the water. And I said, like that, Holy Spirit of God. I said, like that, but in Arlington. And I was in the spirit. And I saw my car going up a road in Arlington and I knew the road and the spirit of God spoke to me and said, go there. Well, I finished the par three because I liked that little hole and I skipped the 18th hole and I, I went over there, long story short, a banker with Nations Bank, which is gone, you know, bought out, bought out, bought out, had, had been transferred. He'd built his own home. He'd been transferred, but never really finished the house. Weird stuff like you know, the landscaping wasn't in, the knobs weren't on the cabinets, weird stuff, little stuff, not even big stuff. And got transferred, listed the house for sale, couldn't sell it. Uh, the relocation arm of the bank bought it from him. They listed it for sale. They couldn't sell it. And so every time it had been marked down, marked down, marked down. And so we made an offer on it. And it was a ridiculous offer. And they came back $5,000 over ridiculous. And we were there. Hallelujah. Austin could walk out the back door and go fishing. Amen. 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 Once he got past the uh, water moccasins. <laughs> but I've lived my life like this. Do yourself a favor. Go to 2019 Holy Week Revival. The last two messages are on how to train the human spirit. Because what I just described is foreign to most people and what I just described is foreign to most believers. When we sold that house later, we cleared 
I don't know, maybe a little shy of $200,000 on it. Look, say it out loud. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me into the green pastures. See, in other words, if you will learn to train the human spirit, if you will learn to walk by this candle of the Lord that God has put inside of every genuine believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to get into the ditch. You're not going to get into the desert. You're not going to get into a barren place. You're going to get into a fat place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to get into a good place. Let me ask you this. If, if man, when I say man, men and women have imagination, who gave it to them? Talk to me. Who gave it to them? Look, everybody wants more. There's no point denying it. I don't care what they say in Rome. Everybody wants more. Everybody wants more. You got 3,000 square feet. You want 4,000 square feet. You got 4,000 square feet. You want 5,000 square feet. You got one acre. You want three acres. You got three acres. Who put this? If this is universal inside of all of us, you say, well, no, 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 no. Hey, look. Why are they stealing from Louis Vuitton in New York City and San Francisco? Even if they don't want to work for it, they want what? More. So if every human being on the planet wants more, who put it inside of us? So there's no point in saying, oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's carnal. Oh, that's awful. Oh, you're not being a spirit. That's just stupid talk. No, God wants you to live a blessed life. I'm going to get ahead of myself here. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. Look, that's why I did what I did. That's why I did what I, that's why we're not meeting in a little shack with the windows covered over with plywood. Who wants to go to a church where they're afraid to let the, God's light in the, in, the, in the windows and the doors? Amen. I mean, I'm talking about a place where you can think big thoughts. Hallelujah. Amen. A place where children can run and play. I'm talking about being blessed by the Lord. And look, I realize not everybody's in a blessed place like this, but you are here. You are here. And we created it for you. We created this environment for you, for you to come in here and dream, for you to come in here and think big thoughts, for you to come in here and get an idea of how to change your life and how you can have more for you and for your family and for your children. Hallelujah. 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 If a person will discover their purpose in life, envision it as coming to pass and act upon that dream while living a life of integrity and honor, they will surely accomplish their purpose, their dream in this life. All of us have been given a destiny to fulfill. If we're not following a dream, it's not because we've not been given a dream, but because we have chosen to not risk failure in order to achieve success. When a man or a woman is pursuing their dream, their purpose in life, prosperity is the natural result. You know why? To follow your dream, to, to envision what you want to be in life and do in life and have in life. When you begin to pursue that, you're going to be what is called a productive human being and you're going to generate. By prosperity, we mean total well-being. That's financial well-being, spiritual well-being, social well-being, relational well-being, emotional well-being, mental well-being, physical well-being, and that's exactly why we have never masked a child at St. Paul's, not one time. Now they're, they're, they're the increase in speech impediments and speech problems in youngsters has gone up between 300 and 350%. Dummies, we could have told them that. You know, if you don't know what to do, hey, you know, last president, look, you know, 15 days to slow the spread, look, call the office. I'll tell you, you know, don't do this. If they haven't done this in 230 years, maybe you ought not do this. Amen. 
And these young people, the last thing they need is this masking because I didn't even know all of this. I wasn't trained in psychology, but youngsters read cues off of the faces of other youngsters, and that gives them an idea of, I mean, it's a kind of a communication. So now this generation doesn't need to not have that because they think texting is talking. You know, occasionally, not often, occasionally we have a problem with a young man in the church texting a girl in the church and see, because she's not talking, you know, if you're talking to a girl and she looks at you like you have vomit coming out of your ears, then you would know, well, she probably ain't interested in you. But if you're texting, 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 you don't get to read. She ain't going for this. I'm just saying they're wrecking children. And they're so beautiful. White, black, oriental, we got them all. Islander, amen, they're so beautiful. Why don't you want to see them smile? I know why, because the public school teacher union member weighs 400 pounds and they're worried about their health so the children have to be masked I mean I'm off course now but since I'm off course may as well uh, finish the loop how does my getting a, a gene therapy shot protect your health how does my uh, wearing a mask protect your health. How can my wear a, wearing a mask pr- uh, protect you from a lifetime of overeating? No, no. You are responsible for you, and you are responsible for your children, and then you're not responsible for anybody else. They're responsible for them. And if they don't like their results, well, then they can change their lives. Amen. Amen. Say amen or oh me. It's true anyway. But dreams are not fulfilled without adversity. Tell your neighbor, there will be adversity. There will always be opposition to anything great, unusual, unique, powerful, dynamic, positive, expensive, new, different, or bold. But also remember that persecution comes from those who have failed to accomplish their own dreams in this life. Such people may even in their well-meaning aspirations desire to hold you back. They don't want you to hurt yourself by attaining too much success and prosperity. Tell your neighbor, he's being facetious. They don't want you to hurt yourself by attaining too much success and prosperity. They don't want you to have too happy a home and too happy a family. They want you to be miserable like they are. And they don't want you to rock the boat either. But I say, don't let them hold you back and stop settling for second best. Hold out for the very best that God has for you. Seeing your dreams come to pass takes perseverance. Henry David Throw once said, we have only to move in the direction of our dreams to meet with expected success. Number one, if you're taking notes, envision, envision. Vision is the ability to foresee one's destiny coming to pass. The word envision means to see or to foresee with the mind. To envision, to see or to foresee. Now, I tried to think of some chick examples, but I couldn't think of any. But here are two examples that guys ought to be able to relate to. You know, when you throw a football to a receiver, you don't envision a fumble. You don't envision a miss. You don't envision an interception. Although we have had quarterbacks with the Cowboys, I think they were envisioning interceptions. (laughs) And then another factor is you cannot throw the football to where the receiver is. I'm talking about envisioning. What is envisioning? Where do you throw the football? To where the receiver will be. Another guy example, golfing. When you get on the putting green, you stand there and, uh, you know, I'd golf with these guys in the church and they'd do all this stuff and get down and look low and all that. None of that ever helped me. But anyway, (laughs) 
So, but you do try and picture it going where? You picture it going where? In the hole. That is what I'm talking about. Envisioning. They call it pre-playing. When we drew the building up at I-30, I would meditate on the plans, and I would walk through the hallways. I would walk into the classrooms. I did that when we drew this building. I did that when we drew the house we're living in. It's called pre-play. If you don't pre-play your life, if you don't envision where you want to go, if you don't think about, if you don't meditate on where you want to go, you don't know where you're going. You have to have a dream. Vision is an act of faith. Envisioning what God has intended for us is an act of faith. Vision is the vehicle that propels us down the road of success. Vision is the power that energizes our daily lives. The ability to dream, to envision our success is a gift from God. Now, Let's go back to public schools. What if they were teaching this stuff rather than race hate? That you can, you can make, this is the United States of America by God. And you can dream a dream and you can go to work and you can go to school and you can make your dreams come to pass. That's what we teach at St. Paul's. And everything else is just an excuse. Get off the excuse. Take charge of your life. Get off the Stop being a victim. Tell your neighbor, I'm not anybody's victim. Stop being a big. Take charge of your life. When you see yourself as a victim, you know whose victim you are? Satan's. Not anybody's victim. Hallelujah. I see. I see. And go back to 2019, last two messages on how to train the human spirit. Envision number two, envision number two, positive circumstances. Pre-play. There are only two ways to receive information through our five senses and through our spirit man. Too many people live their lives only by their five senses. They limit their success by the circumstances they are currently encountering. But there is a sixth sense. And that sixth sense, I got that from John Osteen, is the sense of faith. Vision is the power that energizes our daily lives. The ability to dream, the ability to envision our success is a gift from God. Envision positive circumstances. Number three, through faith. Envision positive circumstances through faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Faith is knowing what we're looking for in life. Faith is knowing where we're headed. Faith is knowing God's purpose in our lives. Faith is knowing the purpose, destiny, and dream God has given to us. Faith is having a singleness of purpose and a singleness of heart. Faith is being certain, certain of what we do not see. Faith is certain of what God has said will come to pass. Faith is certain of the rhema word, the rhema Christos that has been spoken by God. Faith is certain that God's will will prevail no matter what the five senses may be telling me today. Faith is certain of that which I am hoping for. Faith is having a singleness of purpose in life. Envision positive circumstances through faith. And I believe that no matter what has come against you, no matter what failures you have experienced, no matter who gave up on you, I believe that you can make your dreams come to pass. This is my message for the 13th of February in the year of our Lord, 2022. Don't let Satan get you down. Don't let Satan get you blue. You got to pick yourself up. You got to dust yourself off. You've got to look up from where you are, and you've got to begin to look north, south, east, and west. And don't be one of these people that just is waiting around to see what the devil brings down the road or what happens next. Make up your mind what you are going to achieve and what you are going to do and what you are going to have in this life. <coughs> the power to make your dreams come true is already in your possession. It is the gift of God 
that he has already given you, and that is the gift of imagination. Imagination is the power of God for making our dreams come true. Norman Vincent Peale said there are three necessary ingredients to success and prosperity, judgment, industry, and good health. Unfortunately, many of God's people have some of their bases covered, but not all of their bases covered. Personally, I like to extract principles from the lessons I learn in life. People often fail in the upward climb because they do not reduce to a formula the principles applied on those occasions when they are successful. One of my daddies in the faith, Dr. Frederick Casey Price, taught us this, that when you study the Word of God, look for principles. So when you go to the Old Testament, sure, the Old Testament is superseded by the New Testament, but by which principles did David operate? By which principles did Moses operate? By which principles did Elijah operate? Look for the principles, because if you can discover the principles he taught us, you can repeat it. And if it's a principle of faith from the Word of God, it'll work, and it'll work every time. And God is no discriminator. Think about the earth. Think about the earth. The earth never looks up and says to the person on the tractor, I, I'm not going to produce for you because you're, you're black. The earth never looks up front to the person on the tractor and says, I'm not going to produce for you because you're a woman. I ain't never heard of no woman farmer. The earth does not care. Amen. So the harvest is not up to the earth. Amen. The harvest is up to the farmer. Amen. And you may look like a bunch of middle class folk here this morning, but I'm here to tell you, you ain't nothing but a bunch of farmers. Amen. And you decide what to sow and you decide how much to sow. Amen. You're in charge. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you're in charge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible says both in the Old and New Testaments that God is no respecter of persons. People oftentimes know the facts, but they fail to extract the principles of success from the Word of God, from other great men. One of the earliest success formulas I ever came across was in 1980, in January of 1980. Sue and I were invited to go to a very small minister's conference in Honolulu, Hawaii, with David Yonggi Cho, the pioneer and then pastor of the largest church in the world. And we learned this success formula in Honolulu in 1980. We were 24 years old. David Yonggi Cho's fourfold faith strategy. Number one, envision a clear-cut objective. Number one, envision a clear-cut objective. If your goal is nebulous, you'll never know if you reached it or not. Envision a clear-cut objective. Number two, have a burning desire. How do you have a burning desire? You got to use your imagination. You got to think about it. You got to dwell on it. Hallelujah. Number two, have a burning desire. Number three, pray for the assurance. That's foreign to a lot of people. But he believed in praying until he had the assurance. He comes home from work one day, gets a call from the wife, comes home from work one day, and... Uh, there was bad seafood at school. You understand school back then, South Korea, a lot of uh, seafood, and there was bad seafood in school. So which son it was, I don't remember, but man, he was deathly ill, and he had come home from school. All the school children were sick, but this one, Cho's son had come home from school, and the wife called Dr. Cho, come home, pray for him. He gets home, and uh, he goes in there. Well, the boy's not sick, the boy's dead. But he shut the door and he prayed. And he prayed until he had the assurance. See, a lot of people are out here and they're speaking a lot of hooey because they haven't spent enough time in the written word of God and they haven't spent enough time in prayer with the one who wrote the written word of God to have assurance. 
Think about how crazy it was. We take it all for granted now. 23 months back, was it 23 months back? 22 months back, I stood right there and I said, this, this plague will pass us right on by. I said, this pestilence will pass us right on by. I said, this plague will pass our church right on by. I said, this pestilence will pass St. Paul's Preparatory Academy right on by. Remember that? Amen. How in the world can someone speak with such assurance? It only comes when you spend enough time in the written word of God and you spend enough time in prayer that you have confidence in what you're about to say. And he prayed until he had the assurance. Point number four is speak the word, if I remember right. Let me run up here and make sure. Speak the word. Pray for the assurance. Number three, number four, speak the word. So anyway, he prayed and prayed and prayed. I don't remember the story, how long he prayed in that boy's room. But when he had the peace, when he had the assurance, when he knew that he knew that he knew that he had a, the mind of God, he spoke to that boy and he commanded that boy to come back and he did. But that boy stood up in church the next Sunday and told the story. He said, he said I, I didn't know what happened. He said, all I knew is I was sick. And then all I knew is I, I was on the other side. I was in heaven. And there were all these people from church that greeted me. And they said, look, here's the pastor's son. How did you come so early? Why, why did you come so young? Look, 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 look. Here's the pastor's son. And, and he said, and I was having fellowship with all these people from uh, Yoido Full Gospel Church. And he said, I was just having a wonderful time. And he said, and then the Lord Jesus showed up. And the Lord Jesus said, you have to go back. And he said, I told the Lord Jesus, I don't want to go back. <laughs> and the Lord Jesus said, he reported, he said, the Lord Jesus said to me, you have to go back because your father has persisted. We give up too fast. We give up too easy. We throw in the towel too often. I'm telling you this morning, there is a word from God that'll change your life. There is a word from God that you can stand on all the days of your life. I'm here to tell you this morning, there is a God on the throne this morning. And when you side in with God and you give your life to God and you meditate in the word of God and you spend time with almighty God, you're not walking by luck. You're not walking by chance. You're not getting up in the morning to see what's going to happen. By God, you get up in the morning because you know what's going to happen. This is just another day to kick the devil in the backside. This is just another day to prove that the word of God is true. This is just another day to walk in the victory of God. Hallelujah. We're not living our lives to see what happens. We are the children of the king. We are the sons and the daughters of God. And we stand up. We stand up to the devil. And by God, we say what's going to happen. Amen. It's a long story. I don't have time for it. You know, years ago, I damaged my right arm shoulder lived in a suitcase in a crazy way, and I got it about 85% healed, and, and then I re-damaged it somehow, and then I got it about 85% healed, and, and then we went bowling at Fun Mountain with uh, grandchildren, and, you know, my son-in-law, man, he's throwing this bowling ball. It sounded like a guided missile going down the, you know, and I thought, well, man, I can't be no punk, you know. And so, man, I threw that bowling ball the first time, and I thought, oh, my gosh. But, you know, I mean, I couldn't punk out, so I bowled the whole frame. You know, this whole macho thing can really get you in a mess. And so then I, then I have to start all over again, you know, working on it, working on it. And then a few months back, I had it about 85% healed again. And then I did something and I woke up. I didn't even remember doing anything. Must have slept on it weird, man. I mean, and I was just, I, I called a friend. I mean, I messaged, messaged a friend of mine in Atlanta, Georgia. He's an orthopedic surgeon for the Atlanta Braves. 
I said, I might have to come and see you. Which to me is a monstrous defeat. But I just kept speaking the word, man. I just kept speaking the word. I just kept, you know, five times every morning, thank, I say, Father God, my right, arm, my right arm is totally and completely healed by the power of Jesus Christ. I say, Father God, my right arm totally and completely healed by the power of Jesus Christ. And, and just one day, I woke up in Miami. I reached for something. I thought, huh. He is so wonderful. He's so gracious. He's so kind. See, in other words, you could screw it up. And if you haven't screwed something up, you're a liar. You can even do something stupid and come back from it. Because he's so kind and he's so gracious and he's so loving and he's so forgiving. Side in with him. Build the word of God, the written word of God down in here. Not just in the mind. I'm pointing down here for a reason. I'm not talking about your gut. I'm talking about the candle of the Lord. What Paul called the hidden man of the heart. And spend enough time with him in prayer to where you have assurance. And you're not just mouthing words when you're making confessions. But you know whereof you speak. And like Paul, we know in whom we have believed. And we have confidence that he is able. Hallelujah. And there will be opposition. The devil doesn't like you getting healed. The devil doesn't like you getting a better job. The devil doesn't like you getting a bigger house. The devil doesn't like you being able to provide for your children. There will be opposition. There will be persecution. There will be people who call you names. Hallelujah. You just have to get your mind around it. Amen. There will be persecution. Number one, envision a clear-cut objective. Number two, have a burning desire. Number three, pray for the assurance. Number four, speak the word. But you have to have a goal. You've got to see or envision yourself in the possession of that goal. You've got to see your objective so vividly and so graphically that you can feel it in your emotions and you've got to have a red heart desire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you need a car, you need to develop your imagination to where you can smell the leather. Amen. Amen. I'm serious. Amen. Amen. And develop your imagination. If you're going to build a house to where you can walk down the hall and you can picture the, the fixtures and the furnishings and the rooms and the sizes and all of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are the master of your ship. Right. Not anyone else and not the devil. Right. You are in charge. Right. Let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life personally and individually. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not talking about having your name on a roll somewhere. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He said in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. So, We've been given this awesome opportunity, this great privilege by God to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of our lives individually and personally. How many this morning, if you're watching online either now or later, you can pray this prayer with us. But how many this morning would say, Pastor Gene, I've never personally and I've never individually made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of my life, but I want to do so this morning. I need to be forgiven of my sins, Pastor. I got baggage from the past. I need to let go of, Pastor. I need to, I need to give my life to God. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Pray for me. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. Yes, thank you so much. How many others this morning? Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. Yes, back over here. 
There may be others here this morning and you're backslidden. You're not living for the Lord like you once did. The word of God says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm not living for the Lord. I'm not living for God like I used to. But Pastor, I don't want to remain in a backslidden condition. Actually, Pastor, I don't want to remain defeated by the devil. I, I heard this message this morning and I see that I don't have to stay there. I don't have to be the devil's victim, not another day. But Pastor, pray for me. I want to recommit my life to God. I want to make it right and live for him from this day to my last day. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I'd like everybody standing and those of you who raised your hand for either invitation, I want you to be bold about it. I want you to take your belongings in hand. Gentlemen, take your Bible in hand. Ladies, take your purse in hand. I want you to join me here at the front because I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you as I said I would. And uh, we want to give you a copy of my book, God's Very Own Child. Come on. Amen. This is the day of salvation. Amen. Say it out loud. This is the day of salvation. Amen. And even if you're mulling it over, come on, amen. Come on, amen. Come on. Hallelujah. God's good. Isn't the Lord wonderful? And I don't know about you, but aren't you glad that God, uh, when we ask his forgiveness in the name of Jesus, aren't you glad he doesn't hold our sins against us? You know, he's not like one of your relatives. Yeah, well, you, I remember when you, you know, and then they tell you all about everything you ever did that was stupid. He's gracious, he's kind, he's loving, and he loves us. Hallelujah. So for the sake of these wonderful folks and anybody who may be coming, everybody, let's bow our heads. Let's pray the prayer out loud together. Father God, I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing, and I've lived for self. But today, I turn from that old way of living, and I give you my life. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins. Take out of my heart any bitterness, any unforgiveness, anything that might hinder me in my walk with you. I thank you, Father God, for not rejecting me, but for receiving me unto yourself and into your family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.